There's an incredible ministry in the power of God's word, and we want to focus on that now and spend some time in God's word. So if you turn with me to John chapter 5, my message this morning is titled, Mercy Walked In. And we're going to look at an account in which Jesus walks into a situation and absolutely changes a man's life. We're going to look at some principles, some application behind that. And I trust that as God has laid some things on my heart, it's because he wants to speak to you this morning. And so before we do that, I ask that we bow our heads and pray before we get into God's word. And Father, we just thank you again for what you're doing in and through this service this morning. And now as we spend time in your word, we do ask that you'd speak to our hearts. And Lord, that we would be people who respond. We'd be people who wouldn't just hear the word, but that we would put this into practice. And God, as we do so, we pray that you would meet us here. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be touching lives as you speak powerfully this morning. Lord, may I be an open vessel to the things that you want to say. And Father, I pray that you would, you would take your word and you would plant it deeply into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. This account of the man at the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says that afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, they lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? And he says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles come up. And someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. And he rolled up his sleeping bag and began walking. But this, this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. And they said to the man who was, who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But then he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. And the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. Powerful account. Powerful encounter with Jesus, the Son of God, healing this man who had been sick for 38 years. Now at the pool of Bethesda, from time to time, it was believed that angels would come down and stir the pool up, and the first person to get into that pool would likely get healed. So when Jesus had asked him the question, you know, would you like to get well? The man said, well, I've been here, and every time that the water starts to bubble up, somebody always beats me into the pool. I'm not the first one in. For 38 years, this man was sick. And we, we don't know how long he'd been hanging out at the pool of Bethesda, but I'm guessing for quite some time. We don't know if it was for all 38 years or how long. But my guess is he had been there long enough to know that he'd never been the one to step into that pool. Now, the irony of this place 
Bethesda means house of mercy. And this word mercy is a noun that denotes compassion and love. And as this man had been there day after day after day, I don't know if he was necessarily experiencing that compassion and that love. And this compassion and love is not just in feelings and emotions and having pity on somebody. This kind of mercy is the one that is expressed in tangible ways. And yet, this man wasn't receiving that until the day that Jesus walked into the place. Jesus is mercy. And mercy walked in and changed this man's life. It started with the physical healing. And so I've got a few points I want to make regarding mercy. And the first one is this. Mercy, mercy meets needs. In this story, Jesus meets this man's physical need. Well, to start anyways. And after 38 years of sickness, this guy wrote healing off. Yet Jesus steps in and changes the man's life. And he meets him in a very tangible way. You know, Jesus can meet our needs, too. Do you believe that? I mean, this is an account from 2,000 years ago, but do you believe that Jesus can meet your needs? Did you know that Jesus promised his followers that their needs will be met? But it's based on a condition. See, Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he expressed in Matthew chapter 6 that you can worry about all the things in life, all the things that, that you need, clothes, what will I wear, what will I eat? These are needs. And Jesus then gives them, and I think this is kind of like a formula. He says, listen, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, your needs will be provided for. Your needs will be provided for. In other words, if you're about God's business and you're about God's ways, God will provide. He'll provide for you. As I was putting this together this week, there's just something that kind of came to my heart, and it's what happens, though, when you feel God isn't meeting your needs. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of things that we can be walking through where you feel, man, I just don't really feel that God is providing for me. What do I do with that? You know, if God's so merciful and loving and compassionate, then why am I going through fill in the blank? Now, what do I do with that, Pastor Russ? Because I really, you know, my situation's real. You're up there talking about God meeting our needs and things like that. What do you do with that? And as I thought about that, I thought of the fact that mercy himself, speaking of Jesus here, he brought forward a, th a similar thought in, in a garden one evening, the night he was going to be betrayed. And he said to his father, he said, Father, take this cup from me. The, the burden was incredible. Another way to maybe phrase that is, Father, have mercy on me. And as Jesus continued to pray to the father, he said, but not my will, but yours. Yours be done. See, Jesus knew that the pain and the agony of the coming cross would come with great purpose. And so even though he was, he was in this moment here of crying out to the Father, he at the same time knew that there was a purpose behind what he was walking through. And I know I've said this quote here in, in a service like this before, but I just think this is what I felt led to share. And it's a quote from Alan Redpath, and it says this. 
There is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. And if it has come that far, it has come with a great purpose. You see, sometimes mercy allows us to walk through difficult things because there is a greater purpose in mind. There is a greater purpose at play. There's a greater need. And God knows your needs better than you know your needs. And so sometimes he allows us to walk through things where maybe we have questions along the way. But understand there's a purpose. Charles Spurgeon once said that I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. And sometimes those difficult moments cause us to experience God in a way we've never experienced him before. But the, the second song he played, Gordon, a, a blues song, singing the blues. And I like the line you said, I, I caught this, so help me if I'm wrong, but it says, I've had some biscuits without any gravy. But you were filled. God fed you. I says, I ain't going to give up on God. No matter what we're walking through, our greatest need, folks, is spiritual. Our greatest need is spiritual. And Jesus addresses that, too, in the case of this man at the pool of Bethesda. As you go a little further into this story, in verse 14, Jesus finds him in the temple and he says, Now you are well. Then the next part is, so stop sinning. So stop sinning. Otherwise, something worse will happen to you. I think, what, what, what could be worse than 38 years of being seriously ill? What was Jesus talking about? Some people try to attach that particular passage and say, well, obviously this man was sick because of some sin in his life. But Jesus was speaking to this man's spiritual need. He says, if you don't get your life straightened out, there's a place called hell. And it's much worse than the sickness that maybe you carried around for 38 years. That's a pretty serious statement. So my next point is that mercy, mercy speaks truth. Jesus knew the man's spiritual need, and so he began to talk to him about it. Stop sinning. Otherwise, something much, much worse will happen to you. We have a church culture today that I think might be too afraid to speak truth. A, a culture that's too afraid to call sin exactly what it is, sin. And maybe a church culture that, that doesn't want to talk about the reality of a place called hell. Like maybe if we don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. There's a real famous magician by the name of Penn Gillette. Maybe you've heard of Penn and Teller. He's a real big man. He's a proclaimed atheist. He lets people know he's an atheist. And you can go on YouTube, just Google sometime, Penn Gillette Christian. And, and you'll find a video where he, he's basically just one-on-one -on -one with the camera recounting a story of how a Christian man came up to him after one of his performances and gave him a New Testament and began to share with him about Jesus Christ, knowing that Penn was an atheist. And this man, his demeanor, he's a very big man. And he just came up and began to share the reality of Jesus Christ. 
And as Ken is talking to the camera and kind of sharing this story, he says, you know, this man genuinely cared about me. It was different than other times that people have tried to talk. I just really felt this guy cared about me. I mean, first off, we know the man actually believes there's a literal hell. I mean, so strongly that he's willing to come up and talk to me knowing that I'm an atheist. I mean, to have that kind of conviction to come up to a man like that and to say, and that's how much this man loved me, that knowing where I stand, he wanted to have that conversation. So he shares with me knowing my position, and he says, got this a concluding thought after the encounter with this Christian man. And he said, you know, I think of a lot of people that, that claim to be Christians, and they hold dearly to the Bible. And what kind of loving Christian would believe there's a literal hell, yet not say anything about it to those who the Bible says is heading that way? A thought from an atheist man. Now, he did not get converted, but obviously a seed was planted in that man's life. Something powerful took place. You know, Jesus talked more about hell than any other person in the Bible. Mercy speaks truth. And, it, and mercy speaks the truth in love. The Bible tells us to be people who speak the truth in love. So if I back up just a little bit with my points, as mercy meets needs, and then mercy speaks truth, Jesus did this all the time. Meeting people's needs, then speaking truth into their life. We can go around and we can just talk at people, you know, let them know they, they need to, you're a sinner, you need to figure it out. Look, start really connecting with people on a relational level, and God will start to open up doors for you to speak truth into their life. A relational component. And so instead of talking at you right now, I want to talk with you for a moment. This is very serious and what I felt placed on my heart is what you do with Jesus right now, what you do with the Messiah, the Son of God, determines where you'll spend eternity when you die. That's truth. So I feel led to tell you, don't keep putting, don't keep putting Jesus off, because eternity is closer than you think. This life goes very quickly. The Bible says life is but a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. What you do with Jesus now, your eternity, depends on that question. I remember listening to a message from Pastor Niles years ago. It's probably even before I was here at this church as a pastor. But I remember you saying it's very possible that one of the most agonizing things in hell is the replay in somebody's mind of all the opportunities they had to get their life right with Christ. And yet they continued to put it off. Don't put it off. Respond to that truth. My last point is that mercy shows patience. Mercy shows patience. As I was preparing this message this week, I just, I did some reflecting on my own life. I just thought of things that, that God's pulled me through that I'll just be very blunt. 
I was an idiot. How many of you can relate to that one right there? Okay? Mercy shows patience. And I think of the things today that God has blessed me with that I simply do not deserve. I was talking with a couple this week, and I just said, who am I that God would pull me from those things? And I look at where he's taken me, and who am I to be one of the pastors here at Faith? I, by God's mercy. Who am I that God would bless me with such an amazing family? Who am I that God would rescue me from a life of sin? I'm so thankful for God's patience and for the mercy that walked into my life. I also felt led to say this. Don't ever write yourself off from receiving God's mercy. This man in this story, he wrote himself off from receiving mercy. You live in a life so long and, and set in your ways. Don't ever write off mercy impacting your life. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he says, and I'm the worst of them all. Paul is speaking. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Christ could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I have two responses this morning, and the first is this. If you already claim to be a follower of Christ, and you're doing your best to live for him in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a Christ follower means we live by his example. So the three points, right? We meet people's needs. Hey, we speak truth. We show patience. Let those sink in and be somebody that is meeting people's needs and speaking truth into people's lives and showing patience. Patience with the people around you and the people you encounter. And, and I think most importantly, too, I thought about this. Sometimes we can be really patient with people in the business world knowing that there's transactions maybe on the line, and then you walk home, and that patience seems to have run out when you're with your family. Show patience. Mercy shows patience. My second response is, is this. With a, a group like this listening, it's very possible that there's somebody in this room that, that you've not encountered this mercy that I speak of this morning. That this man, Jesus, who, who went to the cross for your sin and my sin can bring you redemption, change your life, absolutely boost you into a new direction of life. Well, that mercy is calling out to you. God wants to transform your life today. And we're going to pray in a moment, but when I pray, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I want, I want that encounter, I want to give my life to Christ, then, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me, just quietly in your heart. Turn your life over to God. 
Don't write yourself off. Don't keep putting it off. Respond today. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, we thank you so much that in your goodness and mercy, you sent your only son to die on a cross to pay the price and the penalty for sin. God, we realize that there might be somebody today that would want to reach out by faith and place their trust in Jesus Christ. For that person that wants to respond, I just simply ask you to pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, Please forgive me of my sin. And I ask that you would come into my life and help me to change. Become a new person. And I want to receive salvation today. I want to respond to this mercy as you can step into my life and move me in a new direction. Today I commit my life to you. And I thank you for what you've done for me. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just simply want to ask, if you just prayed that prayer with me, responding to Christ, will you just simply lift your hand up? Thank you. I see you in the back. I see you. Hands all over. Thank you. Don't put it off. Anyone else? Father God, we thank you for those who responded today. As mercies walked into their life to transform them. And I pray, God, that you would become so real so real to them and that today as they've encountered you they will never be the same just like the man at the pool of Bethesda thank you for your ministry in this place today and it's in Jesus name we pray amen